1974, television network NBC decided that it needed to have a regular program on Saturday nights. For a decade, they had been airing reruns of the previous week's Johnny Carson show, and they discovered that ratings were very low as a result. So NBC executives approached Canadian Lorne Michaels to see if he had any ideas. In just three weeks, Michaels and partner Dick Ebersol developed an idea for a variety show with a twist. Instead of the usual short-form interviews of midweek late-night television, they decided to do a show full of comedy sketches, most of which would be political satire, with then a smattering of musical guests. Within the year, the cast was assembled and Saturday Night Live was born. SNL, as it is now known, has aired over 800 episodes, and in the fall of 2017, it began its 43rd season. Now, the series has had its hits and its misses, spawning movies and establishing careers for comedians, as well as having many seasons in which the series just didn't seem all that funny. The major purpose of the show is to provide social commentary or parodies on the world. The current political climate has helped boost their ratings and has given SNL a new life. The show's sketches are often parodies of reality, providing thought-provoking statements on today's world and exaggerated truths. Now, I have to admit, I don't watch it very often, as I'm usually in bed well before it airs on Saturday nights. But thanks to the internet, I often see clips come up on my newsfeed particularly if people in my social group are moved by an actor's impression of a politician or feel that the sketch is a little too real. While I don't always agree with it, this kind of political satire should be celebrated, much like shows like This Hour Has 22 Minutes or previously a Canadian Air Farce or, or Royal Canadian Air Farce, in Canada, we need to acknowledge that only in countries with freedom would they even be allowed to err. These commentaries also force us to take a closer look at ourselves, at our own beliefs and behaviors, maybe even laugh at ourselves. Well, you know, Jesus's behavior at his triumphant entry into Jerusalem was essentially one big parody of the political realities of Roman oppression. And Jesus paid for his commentary. You see, something that is often not discussed is that another event had also taken place likely on that day in Jerusalem. 
And Jesus' actions on the donkey or colt are a response to that event. Jesus wasn't the only one to parade into Jerusalem that day. We know from the story of the Passion of Christ that he was brought before Pilate after the temple priests were unable to get Jesus to plead guilty. But how did Pilate end up in Jerusalem? Pilate didn't live there. He lived in Caesarea. He too had come into Jerusalem around the same time as Jesus for Passover but not to atone for sins, but rather to observe the Pax Romana. Like the Roman governors before him, Pontius Pilate marched into Jerusalem, demonstrating military strength and force so as to deter the Jews from getting any ideas about a revolution during a festival that celebrated their release from oppression. Historians point out too many examples of, of Roman governors moving their headquarters to Jerusalem during Passover. In some commentaries I have read, this parade would have included cavalry on horses, foot soldiers, leather armor, weapons, banners, and sun glinting on metal and gold. This would have been a parade that displayed pomp and would have included all the tax dollars it needed to display who was really in control, really in power. It would have been a huge parade. So basically, Jesus' triumphant entry is a massive parody a huge mockery of the Roman governor's entry into Jerusalem. And Jesus starts this parody with a bit of irony. Because Jesus sends two disciples to find a colt. Jesus is, Jesus is essentially exercising the kind of authority that Roman soldiers had in acquisitioning animals and other supplies from local inhabitants. Roman soldiers wouldn't ask if it was convenient to borrow an animal. They would just take it. And it appears that Jesus does the same thing. Jesus even instructs the disciples to respond to anyone who asks, why are they taking the animal, that the Lord needs it. Now, the, the difference is, however, that Jesus acts prophetically in telling the disciples where to look for the colt. Jesus does not take the colt because he feels entitled to it but because he wants to enact prophetic, the, the prophetic statement from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, in which the king comes humbly on a donkey or colt. So even before Jesus walks through the gates of Jerusalem, his actions are commenting on the oppressive behavior of the Romans. Then note that the hosannas, 
the waving of branches and throwing down of cloaks, all happen before Jesus is inside Jerusalem. Again, this is important because likely most of the residents of Jerusalem would have been attending the much larger parade of Pilate. Instead, Jesus is supported by the outsiders, the ones on the outskirts of the city. It is they who participate in this mock parade. And this is consistent with Jesus' ministry throughout his life. It is not the ones inside. It is not the ones in power. It is not the ones living within the walls. It is the ones on the margins who Jesus ministers to. And it is, in turn, they who see Jesus for who he truly is. This is a counter-kingdom response to a parade that would have happened to Pilate. And it is a counter-kingdom parade to even our own modern behavior. By being greeted as a king while riding a colt, Jesus is making a parody of the regal procession that would have been happening at the other end of the city. The bystanders understand the point Jesus is making, and so their, their acclamation is political commentary much more than it is messianic affirmation. Any Roman soldier watching Jesus' entry would have understood the mockery, and Jesus would have been identified as a threat. This is a contrast between kingdoms, between leaders, between loyalties. It is a contrast to the kingdom of Caesar, the kingdom of, in contrast to the kingdom of Caesar, the kingdom of God is one of service. In contrast to Pontius Pilate, Jesus' rule is one of humility. In contrast to the residents of Jerusalem, the outsiders are willing to loudly proclaim who, who is blessed in their books. This is a contrast that will continue to confront them through the last, throughout this last week, this last week of Jesus' life. Holy Week is all about the contrast between disservice and servitude, between pride and humility, between the status quo and revolution. I wonder what kind of parody would take place today if Jesus were to parade into our world? Would he look at our church and ask, where's the humility? Would he look at our prayers and wonder, where's the revolution? Would he walk in the door, look at us, turn around, and walk out? Because that's what he does in Jerusalem. As soon as he enters the gates, he turns around and goes back to Bethany. This is not only a parody, but also a display of weakness. It is an indication of the way God truly works. God challenges the worldly version of power. But I also have come to question, where would I have been that day in Jerusalem? Which parade would I have attended? 
I was moved by some words by the Reverend Don Hutchings, a Lutheran minister in Newmarket, Ontario. She writes, two arrivals, two entrances, two processions. And all too often we find ourselves in the wrong parade. The world is full of parades, or as we might frequently say, full of bandwagons. Sometimes it's really difficult to know which parade to join. It's so easy and so tempting to join the wrong ones, and so hard sometimes to get in the right procession. It's so easy to simply get caught up in the enthusiasm of the crowds and the procession which has the loudest brass bands or the most elaborate floats or the greatest number of celebrities or the most charismatic leaders. It's easy to miss the counter procession that is taking place on the other side of town. We're not called to be flashy or to have the fullest bandwagon. Instead, it is our revolutionary acts of compassion, inclusion, and servitude that will make the greatest impact. Jesus' parody of Pontius Pilate's procession shows us that God came into town unarmed, unflanked, without flash, on the back of a borrowed colt. This week, let us get ready to welcome God on the cross. Amen.